Before we get into today's game scoop, let's take a moment for a shout out to our sponsor, Squarespace. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create an awesome website, connect with your audience, and sell anything all in one place, all on your terms. With Squarespace, you can easily sell custom merch and create a passive income stream. You design your products, and production, inventory, and shipping are all handled for you, saving you time and money. You can sell your products in an online store. Whether you sell physical, digital, or service products, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. Use insights to grow your business, learn where your site visits and sales are coming from, and analyze which channels are most effective. Improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on top keywords or most popular products. Ready to get started? Head over to squarespace.com gamescoop for a free trial. And when it's showtime, use our special promo code gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What's up, everybody? (laughs) How did I do this? What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Game Scoop. I'm your host, you David you Joining me this week is Justin Davis, or is he? Tina Amini. Say hi. Oh, hi. I'm pointing out to you. <laughs> and Sam Claiborne. Hey, everybody. And Welcome we've back. A, we've got a great show for you this week. We're going to talk about Final Fantasy VII Remake. We're going to talk wow. about an ambitious new port to the Nintendo Switch. But first, let's talk about the PlayStation 5 launch uh, according to uh, reports today, uh, the PS5 stock is going to be limited when it launches later this year. And this comes from Bloomberg. And uh, apparently it's all because Sony anticipates the console's price tag to come in around 500 to $550, a figure the company thinks could put off some potential buyers in a launch year, especially in a uh, in a recession year. So they're actually planning to limit the supply of the PlayStation 5. Going into 2021, we're looking at probably 1 to 2 million fewer units than were available at the launch of the PlayStation 4. Can I like how that imagine? ensures that the price would be even higher than 550 <laughs> bucks because they're all going to be on eBay. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, uh, yeah that's bummer. Can you imagine how hard it is to get a game console made? It's like, it has to be designed, and you have to partner with people, and you have to source all the components, and you have to... You guys made children, that seems like it's harder. Well, no. It's actually a lot easier. It's much much, much easier. Tell me. 
<laughs> the making them is the easy part. They, so I think the sort of like, yeah, that's true. It's also the fun part. Um, the, uh, <laughs> I know too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I, I think sort of like the layman's understanding of game consoles is that like, oh, the more the powerful understanding, it, the Damon's understanding. <laughs> Is the more powerful it is, the more expensive it is, right? Like, that's how things work. Like, whoever has the more powerful one, that's the higher-end one. But in Sony's case, they're really struggling with, like, really specific components are kind of hard to find. And that's what that Bloomberg Bloomberg report said was, like, you know, more of that console is using bespoke parts that aren't sort of taken off the shelf. And it's really challenging to have a supply chain where, like, you have to have millions of pieces all ready to go and be assembled into this console at once and, like, it said that they were struggling with that a little bit. And as a result, they're having a hard time keeping the cost of the console down. Yeah. yeah like there was some um, re-reporting of Bloomberg's report saying like, oh, COVID-19 is not going to actually be impacting the price for PS5 at all. But it actually is in an indirect way because of that issue. So if there are shortages on parts and then those are being sold at an upmarked price and then that's contributing to the price overall, that's why it's contributing to this shortage. So it is actually impacting the price and the amount of consoles that are going to be available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't we do reporting on this on Next Gen Console Watch just a couple of weeks ago? Like, didn't we kind of call this? Yeah, a bit. Like, a lot yeah. of analysts were predicting shortages. It was a little bit more specific. Like, they didn't specify that it was about specific parts, but okay. that's kind of inherent in manufacturing anyway. So, I think that's what they were talking about. Okay. But it's interesting if Sony's a little bit uh, a little bit shy about their new price point about it being more expensive than the PS4 because when we pull our audience, <laughs> our audience seems happy to spend $500 on a PlayStation 5. I thought that was notable. I'm glad you pointed that out. And I think it's, I I mean, it just shows the excitement and the expectation for maybe consoles to be more expensive each time. And like, there's something to the price that kind of says, this is the powerful thing. But boy, did it not work for the PS3. Yeah, but that's it's different in this case, though, because it's not about the power that's contributing to the price. It's because of the power, but then also the fact that um, the world is the way that it is. Well, yeah, so I, I mean, don't know if that helps that it contributes to how people would think about the price. Yeah, if the Xbox is more powerful and cheaper, like that's an insane combination. That's such yeah. a good situation. I, I, I can't well, imagine that happening, but I don't know. And, you know, and in a recession where like, you know, people are out of work and like maybe it's going to be a little bit more challenging to market. Like in boom times, you know, $500 yeah. luxury device, like let's go for it. <laughs> but like in times where things are a little bit dicier for a lot of uh, families, it gets a little bit more challenging to have like the higher end, you know, yeah, offering. For sure. Um, yeah, the, the PlayStation 4 launched into a much healthier, a thriving economy, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys I mean, realize this, the Switch has been sold out for like a month now? I know, because Nintendo can't get the parts made. It affected sales in Japan so much that now the PS4 looks like it's like this hot seller because it's selling three to one uh, sales over the Switch, but that's just because there's no Switches to sell. Yeah. So, I, like, I if, that, if the Switch can't get back in stock right now and they have their supply chains and everything all sorted out, it's kind of crazy to think that there's two consoles coming this year that have never been made before. They're going to be made out of thin air. Whereas, like, the Switch, you'd think they're just like, you know, just like push this lever and it goes faster. And, the, you know, every every treadmill in the factory starts moving a little bit faster. That's how it works. That, yeah, that's everybody knows that's how it works. <laughs> it's hard, hard mode. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I think part of it is, you know, those consoles are not being manufactured yet, but they're going to be soon, right? Like, you know, we still don't, we've never seen the PS5. Like, they've never said, yes, it's coming out on this date, although they did mm-hmm. give us a quarter. And yet, that console is going to start being manufactured, like, 
pretty soon, like June, yeah. I think the report said. So I think that the hope they're just like fingers crossed that like, you know, some factories are getting back up back up to speed and figuring out how like how to make a PS5 if everyone on the line has to be social distanced from one another. Yeah. I think Sam uh got it exactly right that Sony and Microsoft are releasing next gen consoles on hard mode. Uh, I don't. We haven't heard anything from Microsoft about limiting availability of the Xbox Series X at launch. So to me, it's a little unusual for the clear market leader Sony uh, to be limiting its supply because it's worried its price is going to be too high for some consumers. It just seems like for uh, as much market share as they they've captured for this generation, they don't they don't seem super confident, or at least it doesn't make them seem super confident. I don't know. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know who they need to be. Like, I mean, who can who can be exhibiting confidence right now? That's the problem, right? Is that like the entire world economy is 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 completely not confident about anything, and so it, yeah. it's it's part of their like, man, it's like totally on them to like build their hype machine, but it's going to be hard, like with world events being what they are. Yeah, I I I really like my PS4. I've said on the show before, it's my console of choice. But I, like Sony is in such a weird spot. Like you know, I think it was one of you. I think Sam mentioned earlier, like. I think there's a very real chance that Sony has the more expensive and the less powerful console. Like, wow. Maybe, you know, maybe not. Like, Crazy. you know, there's, there's so much we don't know, but like, they're, in my opinion, they're in the danger zone. So at that point, it just has to look really cool. Like, really cool. <laughs> I mean, the controller like, looks cool. It, it's got to like, it's got to like float. The Bloomberg report also sort of suggests there's this like internal strife going on around it because they were saying that the, dual sense reveal was actually rushed out. Yeah, so hurry. that's like in response to not knowing what the future is, I guess, taking what mm-hmm. information they do have reveals that they do feel confident in exploring and talking about um, in the public and pushing that out as much as possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were saying that uh, the controller is now in developers hands. And so they felt that they had to reveal it. Whereas the console is like the last major, like nobody knows what it looks like outside of Sony yet. And so that's like their big drop that's still to come. Yeah. Sony's shown consoles and controllers before and just said that that's what they like for the PS3 boomerang controller, but they've done this other times too. And just said like, Oh yeah, this is our controller. And then people are like, that's ridiculous. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's not. So <laughs> I think they're being especially cautious. Although like sending out, I'm also surprised that, you know, this controller didn't leak. I, they must've like revealed it like the day they shipped or something. Cause I'm, I'm sure as soon as controllers are in hands of developers, they're going to show up on Twitter. Right. Well, I mean, they're not supposed to, but it's just like the, the dev kit did immediately. Yeah, but that was a janitor. <laughs> yeah, it was a janitor. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, let's move on to what we're playing. Uh, as I mentioned last week, I was playing Resident Evil Three. <laughs> what's the matter? What's the matter? <laughs> we're just excited to talk about all the games we're playing. Yeah, I played Resident Evil Three. I beat it, um, and even though I did enjoy it a lot, at the I ended up being ultimately pretty disappointed. I think uh, compared to RE2, it is half the game that RE2 was, and you spend a lot of the time sort of retreading the same ground that RE2 did. And there's much less exploration, much less puzzle solving. So I don't know. The whole experience was just look. Left me any other well. point in your adult life, you would have been like, "Thank God, this game is short and really fun." Just this, just, just I mean, one moment maybe. in time in which you have more time at home and more time to play games. I don't have commute. more time to play games. I have you the same amount commute. of time. <laughs> you're you're I, spending long office hours making yeah. IGN nows. I do and not have more time home. to play games. I have the exact same amount of time as I did when my son was six months old. Now he's eight <laughs> months old. <laughs> um, I but, thought it was a relief to have like a cool short action game. I really liked it, and I like the compactness of it. 
that does not mean that I think it's you know right to put it out at like a sixty dollar price tag, but yeah, I feel that way about a lot of games. It's just like you've got Resident Evil One, Resident Evil Two, Resident Evil Three is like not it's just not as substantial as as those first two games, and this was their chance to fix that and add more to it. I don't know, Tina, did you ever beat it? I haven't played it yet at all. I just played, played a little played bit multi. of Resistance. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Yeah, that's I what did, you're missing out on for sure. <laughs> I did like, you know, no spoilers, but, but I did like I did like the final boss fight in Resident Evil 3. Yeah. I thought that was yeah. pretty cool. There's a lot of good gore. Did you like the part where those uh, insects lay eggs in your mouth? Yep, that was cool. <laughs> I, never, I, like, I didn't like that part. <laughs> no, it was great. Whatever, whatever the name for the, the new zombie types, the head crab things that'll like go over your, your head. Mm-hmm. Like a, it's like it's like a, it's like in uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong when the worm gobbles up Andy Circus head oh. first. It's like that, yeah. <laughs> I, hate, I, I hate that part. I know, yeah, that part's bad. Uh, but the rest of us are at least seventy five percent of us are now playing Final Fantasy VII. Actually, all of us are, right? Are we all playing that now? Mm-hmm. Cool. That's this just doesn't happen very often. We're all playing the same game. Seriously? Yeah, it's great. I played through chapter one last night. Barely started chapter two uh, when my son decided he was done with this whole sleeping thing. So that's all. I, <laughs> so you have chance. more time to play. You don't have to sleep anymore. <laughs> but I can't play when he's awake, Sam. That's the problem. What about that little yeah. rocker that you have next to the game console? He looks. He looks. It is true. <laughs> it is true that you have this small window of time where you can't move around yet. So just face him away from the TV. But we're we're well past that. Yeah, okay. well past that. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, so I, I can't speak to it as much. Um, I liked, you know, the chapter first chapter. Uh, it's very, uh, very linear, very handholdy. You don't really get freedom to do much. But from what I got to experience with the combat system, I liked it. Bouncing for back and forth between the characters. Tina, you're yeah. much further along than anybody. What What do you think of this? You point? think so? I think I'm in chapter yeah. eight or nine actually now, um, and I'm obsessed with it. And this is actually exactly the game that I want in quarantine, where it's super lengthy. There's a storyline that I can hook onto. Some of the dialogue is laughable, or not the dialogue, but like the character dynamics between each other. It's just like cheesy friendships, but some of them are cute and fun. And like there are occasional dialogue moments that are funny too. Um, and the combat is good. I've seen a lot of people talk about how it's kind of confusing at first. So it's interesting, Damon, that you're early on, but you're enjoying it. Hmm. Maybe it's just um, people used to the turn based structure more than that. But I think hmm. it melds the two really well, especially if, like, if you know Final Fantasy and you're coming into it and you don't have to learn about things like the, um, you know, all the magic abilities that you have or summons and what that stuff means and like how some of those like upgrade systems work. It's much easier just to jump in and, and not have to learn all of that um, independently of anything else. So I'm familiar with Final Fantasy, so it was real easy for me and it was really nice to kind of jump back into those familiar structures. <laughs> so I think I think one of the things that I would love to have in Final Fantasy VII is what Dragon Age had, which is the tactics ability. So you can go in and actually program your companion members and how their what their behaviors are in accordance to what battle scenarios there are. Because half of the time they're they're hanging around like in between moves, they're not really doing anything. Um, and Cloud is much more of a um, in like a direct direct attack kind of a character. What do you call that? There's a word for it. Melee. Melee. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. Um, as opposed to a ranged attack. So yeah. um, there are some enemies that are harder to get, and so I'm relying on um, like Barry or whoever to, to get them. Um, yeah. But they're just hanging around doing nothing, and I feel like I have to constantly scatter between them to make sure they're active. 
I think like I'm really enjoying Final Fantasy VII's combat as well. But if you're gonna have a real time combat system with multiple party members, you need to have like pretty good control over like what are the people I'm not directly controlling doing. Like, and they're just sort of they're kind of just fucking off doing nothing at all right now. So <laughs> there's there's that's definitely one thing I'd like to see improved. There's some materia like that do that. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's some material that have them auto heal you and stuff like that, which is kind of cool. Yeah, what exactly. I what I use my characters for is their special attacks. So like if if I've expended a special attack with Cloud, I immediately switch over to Tifa and start you know getting her meter up and using one of hers, and then I immediately switch over to Barrett and use one of his. Like I, I'm just constantly hopping. I never use Cloud for a long time unless I'm like building towards a summon or like building towards something that's like really crucial or like working on like an enemy boss part or something. But I really like using. I just like. It's just because I just played Final Fantasy VII. That's how that game works. You're constantly building up these meters, especially limit breaks, and then using those uh, from all your characters. And so, like, I'm ha- I'm totally in the that 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 switching characters mode. Well, that's also because you don't you you don't switch between operator and Punisher mode. I just started using Punisher after we talked about it. Like, I'm definitely starting to use that now, and it's it's a very powerful mode. But then the other characters just have, like, a single button press, right? So then they just execute, and while they're executed, I'm already switch, switch, switching back. So, like, that's the way I've been handling it. I also, like, love uh, magic and materia and weaknesses. So, like, I'm mm. really, really building up my magic MP and, like, making sure that people can kind of cast ice on ice, things weak to ice all the time and stuff like that. I'm totally nerding out over that. Do you guys just constantly use potions? Or I feel yeah. like I am. I bet I don't know if that's Yeah, you'll get cure. You'll get cure and you'll start like raising the efficacy of cure, but like even that uses MP, so you still want to use your, your vending machine XP or HP boost every once in a while. I didn't really use potions too much until chapter six, seven, which same. are kind of like the same level. Yeah. Um, because you're it's such a big level that you're going through that inevitably you have to. Yeah, and in that one, the risk is really great because if you die on these really lengthy boss encounters, or there'll be like there'll be like thirty enemies and then a boss, and it'll send you back to the first enemy uh, if you die. So it's like old school punishment, which I like. I think that's like really important, but that makes it really tense when you're trying to survive in those final boss fights. Um, one thing that I like just wanted to mention about this game is like I think it's there's parts of it where I'm walking around in the slums and taking side quests and like looking up at this giant like space like environment that it feels more like Mass Effect than Final Fantasy to me. And I love that there's like cool side quest giving characters and like a world they're building that's much better than Final Fantasy VII's original world building. Like that world building was terrible. Um, so like I really like this game for that. And I feel like there's like the, between the combat and the way that that you pick up quests and stuff like that, like it's more like a Western RPG than I would have expected. And for me, that's great. I think it's the best choice ever. Wow. It's like, for me, I might as well be playing this for the first time because I, I haven't played yeah. Final Fantasy VII since probably 1997 uh, mm-hmm. when it was released. But like, Sam, you've just played the original recently. Yeah. Like, what's your experience? Like, how familiar <laughs> or not does it feel? You know what's crazy? I think the, the the amount of game that's in Midgar, I probably got through it in about two hours. So, like, yeah. I'm like maybe, you know... S- eight or 10 hours into this game right now, that would have been 20 minutes of the first game. Like the way they took it and like, it's like the big bang. It started with like a speck and just expands into this giant game. Like I'm so hyped that, that, that this game, that this type of remake is happening. Cause it's like, it's a brand new game. It's really cool. But then it has these little connections to the original and these little connections to other final fantasies, like the final fantasy theme song or chocobos, or like sometimes they'd mention Moogles and like that stuff's all there. But like, really it's just this like 
wild, you know, spacey game. I wish they would have taken it a little bit further. Like, I think Cloud's a ridiculous character. I think he looks like an idiot. But all the other characters <laughs> are really cool. Like, I, I mean, they have problems, trust me. But, like, they're, like, you know, they're more fleshed out in this game in, in a better way, whereas they kind of left Cloud as this moody little, uh, you know, It's boy the Mako. <clears throat> it's the Mako that's, that's right. doing it. Blame it on the Mako. <laughs> they do all the time. And every they do scene. blame it on the <laughs> <laughs> Apparently the everyone... Mako. Everyone understandably always uh, pronounced that as Mako in their heads. Me too. Yeah. yeah. Now Mako everyone's answer. finding out that it's uh, pronounced Mako. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Um, there's moments of the original game that are literally five minutes. Like, let's go back to my house, and then you're at their house that are mm-hmm. blown into five hours in the remake. Yep. Yeah. I don't. Know, it's cool. I love. It. I look, it's like I it's like the Peter Jackson movies, right? It's like you you uh, see them in the theaters, and then you come home, and you're like, "I'll spend five hours with this instead of two and a half." That's sure, <laughs> sure. And then it's like it's all worth it. Yeah. It's like after think, does it does the game open up more after chapter one? Kind like of you mean you mean outside of the linearity? Yeah. It's mm, technically. It's a linear game. Like you go from section to section and, but it's, it, you get these little hubs that have side quests and then that's a chapter yeah. in the game. And then you move on to another chapter that has a different area. So you can kind of like choose which side quests you do and when, and I don't think you have to do them all. I think you can skip through them cause they're side quests. Um, but it's still for all intents and purposes, pretty linear. I don't yeah, mind I linearity though. I don't either. I think it's exactly like the Citadel and Mass Effect. Like that's what you should expect. Mm. Hmm. You know, a little you less like content. It, it's yeah. well, you, you're further than me, so you, you can that. I was hoping the slums would kind of expand, mm. that. but you know, I guess it's more like than the other planets in Mass Effect, where it's like you land in an area and then there's things to do and there's like an overall thing going on, but uh, it's not like it's not like wow, I'm gonna go off an adventure for a while. There's nothing like that. It's there, and you know what, maybe that the entire next game, if there ever is one, will be all of that because that's the open world. This, this, this part of Final Fantasy VII never had an open world, yeah. Um, I look forward to playing more of that tonight. Uh, with Q1 of 2020 down, it's time, of course, for uh, some uh, sort of Game of the Year watch discussions. We have a separate video on that going up. Uh, should be uh, up by the time you are listening to or watching this Game Scoop. But I also wanted to pull the Game Scoop audience over on the Facebook group, uh, which, again, if you guys, anyone listening or watching hasn't joined, I urge you to do so. It's a really great group of people. Uh, but I pulled them on what uh, their favorite game of the year was using mostly the you know the games that have gotten a nine or higher from IGN this year, uh, which includes stuff like Doom Eternal, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Half-Life Alex, Neo 2, and an, uh, Animal Crossing. And it was not even close. There is no, no question that within uh, the GameScoop audience, Animal Crossing was their favorite game of the year so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they, uh, they are correct. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like Tina's, Tina's out there with the sunglasses under it too. Um, Tina, you have a theory about that, right? Oh, everyone's trolling Damon. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it is. <laughs> I mean, it's a good game, but yeah. Yeah. specifically because you don't like it so much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> would they do that to you? Would the Facebook group do that to you? I don't know if they would. Man, out of out of love, that. of course. I know this a lot of people. A lot of people wanted to add uh, Final Fantasy VII on there. Uh, it's just, I don't know, it got an 8 from IGN, so I don't know. It's just, it'll be weird to see what the conversation's like later on this year when we actually talk about Game of the Year. I think Final it's my favorite so far. I was going to say that same thing. Mm. Final it Fantasy... Game of the year. Wow, you like it more than Animal Crossing? Yeah, well, Animal Damon. Crossing, like... Go ahead. No, Is that it? It was just well, Damon? I, <laughs> yeah, no, I had something. I was going to say that I reviewed it, and that ruins games for me. 
Oh yeah, uh, that's yeah. a fair point, honestly. That I, I um, yeah, I, it's like Animal Crossing is this like consistent thing in your life, you know, um, that eventually you take for granted because it's just this like day to day check in and it's you email. Grow this like <laughs> yeah, you grow this relationship with it. But Final Fantasy, like, I can't wait to get back to it. And I don't Same. have that feeling with Animal Crossing. Like, Animal Crossing scratches a specific itch. Mm-hmm. But Final Fantasy, like, I'm thinking about, I want to get back to, I want to see what the, you know, enemies are, I want to progress. Like, I love RPGs because of that, because of their progression, both in terms of, like, the story, but also your own characters. Um, so it's, it's the kind of thing that's more addictive to me. I think um, I read a really interesting op-ed that sort of said we all played Animal Crossing wrong because we're in the midst of a global <laughs> pandemic and we sort of power gamed our way through this animal game that's for children. Um, and that's not really the way that it's meant to be played. Like everyone's done with their house loans. Everyone's already terraformed the whole whole island. And this was supposed to be a game that you just took a nibble of, you know, every day or a few times a week for a year. Um and I've seen the sentiment in my social circle and just, you know, more broadly on the internet of like, oh, I'm feeling guilty. I haven't played Animal Crossing since Monday. <laughs> like, there's this guilt associated with it. And I'm like, no, look, like, like, put the game down and play it in the summer when your island's all different. It's summer and there's new bugs and, you know, your trees look different. And then pick it up in the winter when it's snowy and there's, you know, a Christmas event going on. Like, yeah. that is the way that that game is meant to be consumed. Um, I think it's like, I feel like it's the daily check-in because I still want to like get all of my resources every day. So I have chores. I have animal crossing chores that I do every day. Mm-hmm. You know, I look, I bury my money tree. Yeah. Um, I go shake the other one that's grown out. Uh, and then inevitably rocks. you're getting like, yeah, hit those rocks. Inevitably you get dozens of new DIY recipes um, that you can make stuff and send to your friends. Uh, yeah. I'm making stuff for Pear right now. There, well, maybe it's a spoiler, but since he watches this show, but I'm making him a bunch of Pear stuff, <laughs> obviously. Uh, <laughs> so that it's that it's that kind of thing that you get to get away with. This one is unique in being a social game. Like I've never played an Animal Crossing that was this social in this way because the last one was really all about uh, street pass and kind of seeing random uh, houses and buying stuff from them, which actually like a lot which that was still here but i like uh, there's so i didn't expect so many people to be playing this that like every night every day someone wants to come over or someone wants to ch- come check out the town and i think that's like the coolest thing ever and that, that's what that game needed but that will go away and then the seasonality stuff should take over i think that the daily chore aspect of it though like i stopped this is killing I, damon it's killing him he's fine i mean damon as you know there was a big uh, cherry blossom festival in animal crossing and so of course everyone's towns are very very active and now i think people are falling off of it a little bit because it has um it's cooled off it's slowed down um and i've actually even i don't bang on my rocks anymore because i have more stacks of you know metal and clay and stone than i need so it's like mm-hmm. I'm at the point where like, I'm probably not going to play it every single day, but I still love it. It's still overwhelmingly my game of the year. And I, I like, I see this with games. Like it's a very different game than animal crossing, but with like destiny, we're like, I don't have anything to do in destiny anymore. Like I'm sad, like I'm out of things to do. And I'm like, that's fine. Like you don't need to play a game forever. It doesn't need to be something that you have a relationship with for all time. Like if you played animal crossing for 30 hours and you feel like you're done with it right now, like that's a video game. That's how games work. Or four hours in the case of Resident Evil 3. Um, I still have a lot of bridges and inclines to build, so... Yeah, I'm, a, I'm an incline maniac. Me uh, too. That, one thing about Final Fantasy VII I wanted to say is that <laughs> I think it's... Uh, the, just just to, to bring it back to Damon's points of interest, I think it's the best Final Fantasy since the 2D era. I, I have no question. Mm-hmm. I really, really like 1 a lot, and I like 4 and 6. 
And this is the only 3D one that's like really connected with me in a way that like Tina was saying, like, I can't wait to go play it. And I played a lot of 15 and like I wanted 15 to be that game. But this is so much like more of a Sam game than that. Yeah, but you didn't play 10. So and I, I, I mean, too. <laughs> you mean 10 too? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so AC was the undisputed winner in my poll. Uh, Doom Eternal and uh, Ori 2, Ori and the Will of Wisp, they were very close as 2 and 3. Then there was Half-Life Alex, which someone reached out to me uh, at requesting that we talk more about Half-Life Alex on the show. But like, unfortunately, due to current events, like none of us have a VR headset. There's really no way for us to play They went Half-Life the, uh, Alex right the Oculus Quest went up for order, and I was like, oh, I was like hovering over the buy button, but it's like 400 bucks, and I just yeah. I couldn't quite do it. Also, the Quest will run Alex, but only if it's wired, if it's tethered, I think. Um, well, I mean, I have a gaming PC. So. Yeah, that works too. Um, and then uh, Neo 2 is a game that got a 9 from IGN this year. That was way near the bottom of the list. I don't think too many people have checked out Neo 2 yet yeah. as of this year. Yeah, that didn't take off. I, I'm still considering picking up, you know, we have many uh, VR rigs and PCs at, at our office. And, you know, we can, we are, it's legal to pick up uh, equipment from our office for home uh, yeah. work stuff. So, you know, that's still a possibility. You'd have to bring home a gaming PC, though, Sam. Yeah, they have handles, though. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, all right, let's move on to, uh, <laughs> we don't talk about this very often on Games Cube, World War Z. The zombie shooter uh, came out last year. First of all, they announced this week it's getting a game of the year edition. Well, yep. I who? I haven't. I wasn't able to find any evidence of this game winning any game of the year awards. That's cute. IGN gave it a 7.4. But it's getting a game of the year edition along with a, a Switch port. A port to the Switch wow. from the same porthouse that ported The Witcher 3. We have a special guest today. Yeah. <laughs> She was on the show last week. Yeah. An insistent guest. Yeah. Uh, this, I forget which, um, uh, the name of the, of the porthouse that's, that's handling this port, but they said, uh, they did say uh, in our article, quote, keep in mind, talking about the difficulty importing World War Z to Switch, keep in mind we are rendering scenes with hundreds of enemies and four players online. Getting this to run on the Switch is the hardest thing that we have had to do. This the, the switch is so tiny where it's like that's such a you know no duh thing. But I've been taking my Joy-Con off a lot because we've been doing a lot of ring fit, and I'm really struck when the Joy-Con are not on that console. Like how small all that power actually is crammed into a very very tiny form factor. You know, shoved in behind the screen. Like it, it's amazing. Like yeah, I, I don't know. Do you guys ever hear the switch fan go on? Mine does. Yeah, it's I really funny. It times. Yeah, I've only I've heard, heard it. it. Yeah, just for the first time, I was playing Resident Evil Four, I think, and um, yeah, I was like, I'd set it down like with it in like sleep mode. It was like, and I was like, oh no! And I looked it up, and I was like, oh, there's just like, it, there's some kind of like ventilation system must be very tiny that that starts whirring. Isn't that crazy? Uh, right on the yeah, yeah. And you can't like feel it or anything, but like it comes, wow. the sound comes out of there. This is like when you find out what a giraffe sounds like. What do they sound like? Like, I never yeah. thought of it. I don't know. It's like a weird chirp thing. My nephew has a, like, a puzzle, a sound puzzle, and you put it in. I'm like, that's what those animals sound like? Like, a penguin sounds weird? It's, yeah, it's weird. My, my Switch, I had set it Teaching kids this? <laughs> what sound <laughs> does a giraffe make? I don't know. <laughs> Forbidden knowledge. Um, I was waiting for someone to come visit my Animal Crossing town, so it was, like, on and active, but I'd set it down on, uh, on a pillow. And so it was sort of like the vent was blocked up and then the fan kicked into high gear because the console got hot. Wow. 
Well, Tina, you played a lot of Witcher 3 on Switch. Yeah. And strictly handheld. Only in handheld mode, yeah. Yeah. Which uh, which means like it's really putting the switch to the test because you're in an even smaller screen. You're in the smallest possible scenario. Yeah, that's true. Does this instill you with confidence that they can port World War Z, the same the same port house? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I never played Witcher Three in any other format, so I wouldn't have like a direct comparison. I will say though that I watched my friend play Witcher Three on a PS4, and I was like, oh my god, is this what <laughs> this thing looks like? <laughs> so mine mine feels yeah. like it was you know the the gameplay was recorded on a potato, but. <laughs> uh, you don't you don't notice if you never see the PS4 version, so it's totally fine. So it was recorded on a Yemen. Yes, exactly. <laughs> will the will it, uh, the Switch is going to be running Crisis soon, supposedly? So we also yeah. found out Crisis is being ported to the Switch. Mm-hmm. I, Crisis I, is like a, what a 2006 game, so yeah. But it was the high watermark for graphics. Yeah, for for and, the longest uh, time it was. Right when I started at IGN too, I remember seeing it on like a super rig, um, and it was cool. I went into our strategy guide. And just to see, like, you know, how much are we going to have to update? Because we do this with our old guides when new games get announced, remix. And I was in there, and I was looking at the screenshots, and it looks so good. Yeah, they're like, like, you know, three inches by three inches on your screen. They're they're really small Mm. images, but, like, it just has so much greenery in it. Yeah, I remember, like, it's unbelievable. the the foliage at the time was really, crazy foliage. Yeah. And then, so, there was a sequel to Crisis, Crisis 2. Was there a Crisis 3? Yeah, Yeah. 3. Mm-hmm. Yep, and they all take place in the city. There's no plans. What's the point? Well, like this news about Crisis uh, dug up a memory that I had totally forgot. I played one of those Crises <laughs> on Xbox 360, like the whole game through. I don't. I had completely forgotten yeah, about it. You reviewed I played it. Through. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> I completely <laughs> forgot. Yes, <laughs> completely <laughs> forgotten that I had played through a whole Crisis game. Um, and then another. Nintendo Switch news this week. Good news for Justin and I, and for Pear, Picross S4. Oh, did you see the giant puzzles? Coming next month. Well, it's, they already had giant puzzles, though. No, it's got like 30 by 40 puzzles, <laughs> like, like huge mega puzzles. It is like a question of like how much more of this. It's just going to be the more, more of the same. It's fine. Like that I'll game, play it. I've never seen a video game that needed a trailer less than Picross 4. Because it's like, look, it's, just, it's Picross, and it's $9, yep. and yep. here it is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm like, okay, more of the same. Got it. I will give them nine dollars every six months until the end of time to just keep making more Picross puzzles. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I wish I really wish they'd start having like Nintendo art. Yeah, I don't know. That just seems like such a huge missed opportunity. There was the one on the what there was Zelda Picross or P- Pokemon Picross or whatever on the 3DS. Well, going back to the Game Boy, there was a Picross, the original Picross on Game Boy. You did unveil like Mario and, and Nintendo characters. But- they haven't really done it since then. Hmm. All right, wake up, Sam. Okay. Time to check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. This is- <laughs> you stole Justin's line. <laughs> and told me to wake up. I'm on now. <laughs> this is an email from Spencer Price in Disney Disneyland Less, Anaheim, California. Oh. It says, uh, what's good at Mega Cops with all the hullabaloo surrounding release dates for games due to the current current pandemic? It's got me thinking. Let's do a thought experiment. Uh, he wants me to ask the panel, that's you guys, why they think the Nintendo Switch had such a successful launch and I'm supposed to wait for replies. Wait, I don't know. What, what does that have to do? I don't get it. Why uh, the Switch had a successful launch? I was performing launch. a thought experiment. Why do you think the Nintendo Switch had such a successful launch? Do we agree that it did? Oh, yeah. Oh, did, you don't think it did? Well, I'm trying to think. I mean, it's had a successful lifespan. 
I mean, you know, Zelda was on the Wii U, but Breath of the Wild is one of the greatest video games ever made of all time. Mm-hmm. And it was yeah, a launch game, you know? Yeah, yeah, like its its success is directly equated to that game in particular. Like it shipped units. Yeah, so Spencer says, hopefully someone mentioned Breath of the Wild as a key, key reason for the success of the system. May I remind you that Breath of the Wild was not a Nintendo Switch game. It was the very first Wii U port to the console. The Last of Us Part 2 is in a similar situation uh, for PS4 and PS5. My question to you and the panel is, wouldn't it be smart of PlayStation to hold The Last of Us Part 2 for the PS5's launch? What would be the downside to holding it until then? Ditching your PS4 fan base, I guess, is the but downside. I, but they if it do does both. the same thing as Breath of the Wild, it could launch on both platforms. Right. One interesting thing about that is that like the Switch gives a, a couple of really good bumps to Legend of Zelda. It makes it portable. It makes it look better uh, in, in like a meaningful way w- with an open world game. That's really important, right? Like you need like all this like distance of view and like you just need to be able to see a lot more and stuff like that. Last of Us is like a very cinematic game. It's going to look amazing. I don't see how like a couple more hair follicles on the next gen system is going to make that much of a difference. You can Plus- almost. Go ahead, Justin. Sorry. Uh, sorry, I was just going to say you could almost argue that unless the PS5 version looks much better, it actually is a point against the mm. new console. Like, why That's do I need point. it? You know, there's this amazing <laughs> PS4 game out wow. now. Yeah. That's a really good point. There's, um, there's a quote from that Bloomberg story that we were referencing earlier about the PS5. Uh, and in the story, they said Sony's strategy, according to several people familiar with its plans, will be to rely on and um, rely on incumbent PlayStation 4 models as a bridge to get new users onto the PlayStation platform's network services while the PS5 remains in limited supply, the people said. So their sources were saying they're really banking on bridging that shortage gap um, with more interest in the PS4 and just kind of continuing its lifespan and, and bringing in active users. Yeah. The PS4 was very, very cheap. You know, Black Friday last year it was like, what, 199 I hope I didn't make that up. But like, it was, it was really inexpensive. And so this year... If they have if they have cheap PS4s and hey the PS5 is really expensive and hard to find here's a super cheap really good PS4 bundle like it sounds like that's the approach they're going to take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also not you're not you're not comparing apples to apples with the launch of the Switch and the PS5 because the Wii U was a, a failure whereas the PS4 has been wildly successful. Um so it's like it's a little bit harder sell to buy a new PlayStation console to play a game that you could play on your PS4 whereas so many people just never bought a, a Wii U to begin with, right? Yeah, that's good. That's point. why people forget that it was on that console too, that game. Yeah, that's why only one copy was sold, right, Sam? <laughs> you know what? Uh, people sent me at least three different pictures yeah. of copies of that game, which is cool. But I want to see the special edition. I don't think that was that, that got across there. Like, there's like a large boxed, you know, with a Master Sword special edition out there for Wii U somewhere. That's a rare game. Hmm. It's already rare for Switch. The, uh, the Switch launch was so successful because it had, you know, Karen playing the Switch with her friends on the roof of, her, of the wherever they were during the one-two switch. switch. Yeah. Snipper the clips. uniqueness of one-two switch. Snipper yeah. Clips was great. Snipper Clips is great. Yeah. I never played uh, Snipper. Snipper Clips is really fun. I don't know. The the PlayStation 5 is gonna be kind of backwards compatible. It's confusing, but like they've said that at least it launched the top one hundred most popular PlayStation 4 games should be backwards compatible. Uh, that got expanded. PS5. Oh no, sorry. The Xbox list got expanded. Um, yeah. But I don't know. Maybe so. If the PS4 uh, or if Last of Us Two is out before PS5, maybe they could prioritize making that game backwards compatible mm-hmm. on PS5. Yeah. Interesting. 
I mean, they'll, you know, like, unless you completely, completely drop the ball, you will sell as many consoles in your launch window as you can make. So it's really a yeah. game of, like, how many consoles can we get made and get on store shelves? It's funny yeah. to think, like, I mean, just I had never thought about The Last of Us specifically. Like, I, like that game is such a good example of why the next gen is not great for every single game. Like, I can already see why it's important for big open world games. They'll, those always need help. They always need more power and they need more draw distance and all kinds of stuff like that. But like, man, these big cinematic, like kind of stop and shoot in, in, in buildings games, like who cares? They don't need a next gen. All right. That brings us to video game 20 questions. And I know Justin is our heart out today. Well, I have five minutes. So five minutes. So let's see what we can do. You better solve it in five minutes. (laughs) Our suggestion this week comes from Max from Douglas, Massachusetts. Let the questioning begin. Uh, did this game come out before January 1st, 2000? No. You can tell me because you didn't ask a hats question. No, no hats. <laughs> it's been a while since a hat question. Um, is, it, is it part of a series? It is. Does it appear on Nintendo Switch? Yes. I love that. Yeah. We, we well, know the library for the Switch so specifically. What was the first question Justin asked? Af- after 2000. Okay. And it was? Yes. Because okay. it's on Switch. Um, the, I'm tired, so, guys. <laughs> no, no, I, I missed the first question until that, that happened, too. So uh, um, for Switch, was it a game that was uh, released you know, for the Switch at the same time as everything else? No. Okay. Mm, so it came uh, to Switch after. Or before. <laughs> I, I should have specified that, but probably after. Yeah. Was, was this game released on a Switch cart? Yes. That's five. Uh, was this de- developed in Japan? Yes. Is it an indie game? No. Um, you said was yes. It, it was released on a cart. Yeah. Okay. Is this part? Of, helps. Is this part of a series? Do we? I already, that already. Sorry. What was the answer to that? Yes, it is. Yes. Okay. Is this uh, after the? Is it after the third game in the series? <laughs> it, is this particular game after the third yeah. game in the series? No. Okay. <laughs> so it's either it's something two or three. <laughs> That's a good point. So it's or, a newer series. Well, or one. Or, yeah, one, two, or three. Is this? Yeah, we could also ask if it's a sequel. Uh, so it can't be Skyrim because that was the fourth one. Right. Uh, <laughs> We're all so, going to be doing this like game series math in our heads now. So I'm still trying to. I'm. I was thrown a loop for a loop by. So this is an older game, slightly older game that was ported to Switch, but still originally came out after the year 2000. Is basically what we're looking at, mm-hmm. and it was made in Japan. Is this an RPG? Um, of of a type, not a straight RPG. Mm, is this a Damien game? No, that's ten. Okay. I'm thinking it's like a Monster Hunter or something like that. Yeah. Do you... <laughs> okay. We're a little too early for that goof. <laughs> um, uh, you know, was this game made by Capcom? Oh. <laughs> was it made by Capcom? No. Aw. Uh, is it a... I was thinking maybe it was like a Souls-like or something too. But how many of those are on the Switch? I don't was know. Was it well-received? Yes. What um, does it have what, monsters in it? Yes, cool. But, but it's how is not, it not a Navy game? <laughs> was it 
Was this game developed or published by Nintendo? No. Okay. <laughs> so, I think it's like a Soulsy action RPG game. Yeah, but made in Japan, imported to the Switch. Oh, uh, could be the um, what are the uh, uh, Musou? What are they called? The games where you fight a bunch of enemies at once. Dynasty Warriors. Dynasty Warriors. Ask yeah, could be one of those. Yeah, it was there was the Hyrule one, but this wasn't developed or published by Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Or Capcom. <laughs> And it's sort of like an RPG. I need to know what kind of RPG it is. Yeah, I would like to know that too. Also, the setting is this a is this a would this take place in the past? Even though it has monsters and stuff, is it like? Are you asking if this takes place in our our? Is it a fantasy game? Yes, that's fifteen. <laughs> Crap. So we're assuming it's a long running series, but it's just like the second or third. That's yeah, or, or there's been a sequel since then. Yeah. Um, does this have uh, 3D graphics? Yes. Okay. The only, thing I can, me there. the only thing I can think of is Skyrim, which doesn't fit almost any of the criteria. Uh, is this an open world game? Yes. Did What? Did, what? Did <laughs> we must know what this is. Could be The Witcher 3. No, it's just developed in Japan. Oh, yeah, it was mm-hmm. developed in Japan. Could be drag. Was it Dragon's Dogma, or is that uh mm-hmm. We already talked about that game on the show once this week. There's no it's, sequel. Isn't that game made by Capcom? It's and Capcom. There's no, and there's no sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the Dragon Quest type stuff. Ooh, could be Dragon Quest Eleven. But wait, it's not the not fourth or later game. game in a series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or any of the Personas or the Kingdom Hearts. None of the personas. None of the Kingdom Hearts. Um, the open I mean, world thing is bizarre. Final Fantasy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Is have, is. Should we ask about turn-based battles? I don't know. It could be any of the Final Fantasies, right? Can I just I'm twelve? Like, could it be Final Fantasy? Yeah, but those are <laughs> traditional RPGs. He said. Oh, that's of- after three. Do you play as? Do you play as like? and control one character that's running around and moving around? Yes. You have one more question. <laughs> wow, we're not getting this one. It's totally like a Soulsy game. I mean, I mean, did they po- they ported Dark Souls to the Switch? Yeah. I mean, it could be Dark Souls 3. Right? Or 1? Which one which one which Souls are on the Switch? Well, they put it the, like didn't I don't know. I think I think all of them now, aren't they? We could ask if it's a Soulsy game. Is this a Soulsy game? Well, yes. is it? W- <laughs> well, so, so I mean, probably, we know it's, it's not Dark Souls Four. <laughs> I think it, Damon is it I Dark think, Souls? I think it's one. Yeah. Yes, it is. Nice. <laughs> with with your five minutes, yeah. no less. Wow. Yeah. I am. Well, you ran a little bit I over, but <laughs> yes, it is Dark Souls. Wow. Originally released three sixty PS three. PC in 2011. Now it's on all current-gen consoles. Hmm. Nice. Action RPG. Yeah. Damon, did you know it's your 13th anniversary at IGN tomorrow? Uh, uh, should be my 14th. 14th anniversary at IGN <laughs> <Yeah>. tomorrow. <laughs> I tried to verify with you this ahead of time, but you oh, I never know. Like, I, never, I never know the exact date, but I know that I started in, in April. So yeah, yeah, April 2006 is when I started. Mm-hmm. Wow. Do you remember what IGN did for the first 420 joke when you were working? 
Uh, the first one, I don't know, but there was always a good one, a Dave Clayman article that we used to publish every year. This the basketball one? It's like the top 10 things to do on games to play on 420. Yeah, but then there's yeah. only like, there's only nine entries. And <laughs> I think it's, the, it trails off. Yeah. yeah. I think it's the same article we're still re-promoting every year on 420. Mm-hmm. Probably. Probably. Always yeah. be. What was your hard, first review? Hard to believe. I think it was a bubble bobble game on uh, PSP. <laughs> cool. Jeremy Dunham was like, hey, you want to review this bubble bubble PSP game? Like, sure. <laughs> sure. I'll be that. Well, now I probably have the byline on that because there was a bug that put my name in a bunch of uh, articles <laughs> as we discovered on GameScoop yeah. two weeks ago. You're, you reviewed Pokemon Red and Blue. Amazing. <laughs> and Half-Life 1. <laughs> uh, well, I guess we can let Justin go, but uh, according to the... Oh. Uh, to the timer that does not exist we have to uh shoot the crap for two minutes okay, okay. well I, that's i do you want to play video game 14 questions 14 questions yeah bye guys bye okay. justin bye justin <laughs> for uh damon's 14th anniversary we're okay. gonna play video game 14 questions 14 it's questions something, it's something from the last 14 years okay. it's a gamey game and tina and i will have to decide what it is right now <laughs> what <laughs> you better be fast you have 90 seconds okay um Let's do. Uh, all right, got it. Go. Something for the last fourteen years. Yeah. D- did I review this game? No. Uh, is it um, playable on a Nintendo console? Yes. Is it playable on the Switch? Yes. Was it originally released on the Switch? Yes. Uh, is it a Switch exclusive? Tina. Yes. Is it a uh, turn-based game? Nope. Nope. Unless you're playing with your buddies. <laughs> Passing the controller. Uh-huh. Is it a, is it a Nintendo-developed game? Yes. Are you keeping track? Okay. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. I think I missed... I might We're not missed used it. to this. Is it, a, yeah. is it a puzzle game? No. No. Oh, man. You have five questions. Is it... Uh, wait. Not turn-based. Is it... Uh, do you drive vehicles in this game? But not really. I, no, yeah. Not really. No. I don't think so. This character would drive vehicles in another game. <laughs> <laughs> what, too much? Was that too much? I want him to get it. It's his anniversary. Uh, a game that originated on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, it's a Damien game, not a puzzle game, not turn-based. No and, cars, and made. You probably don't drive vehicles, but it's made by Nintendo. So was it released in 2019? Nope. No. Right? No. Yeah. What year is it? <laughs> Was it a launch game? No. Not a Nintendo Switch launch game. Uh, was it released in Nintendo Switch's launch year of 2017? Yes, it was. And it a, you basically have one more question. Oh, is it Mario Odyssey? Yes. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Video game, 14 questions. I nailed it. Yeah. Nail it. That, it feels nice to have redeemed myself. <laughs> It feels nice to have come up with a uh, uh, a game so quickly and known everything yeah. about it. That's all. I, I'm just giving myself time. <laughs> We're out of time. That's all the scoops we have for this week. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop.com. We'll continue 14 questions next week. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Tina. Thank you, Justin. Okay. My name Great. is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop. And we're out. Um, since this is just a little bonus bit uh, for our audio listeners here, I don't, I don't mind them hearing that um, I sure do miss uh, seeing you guys, Sam and Tina, in the office every day. Yeah, I agree. Seriously, same yeah. here. It's been a long time now. 
Yeah, I, I was just going to say that. Like, I can't believe it's been a month. Like, legitimately, I, I mean, was on about 15 calls today because that's what work from home life looks like now. And someone, <laughs> I asked someone, like this PR person, oh, when was the last time you showed me this presentation for this thing? And she was like, that was in, I was like, was that that last week? And she said, no, Tina, that was in March and we're in April now. <laughs> yeah. It was a revelation. The time is yeah. definitely constricting and, and compacting. Um, I can tell the audience that I, I, I already mentioned this earlier. I went by the office and, you know, it's dark. Nobody's been there for a long time. Um, it there has some Last of Us elements. All of our beautiful house plants. We have lots of really nice plants in the building. Have been moved to this one window just to get light while they can, which I thought was strange. The vending machines have been ransacked. We have very, very reasonably priced vending machines. And I think those things went first when uh, the last couple people were in the office. And there's just lots of mail. <laughs> Yeah, I I went into the office the day that I left for Austin, um, which was already kind of like a scary, weird moment. And then I walked in, it was like 5 a.m. or something ridiculous because I was taking a really early flight to come in and avoid people on the plane. Yeah. Um, And it was even gloomier with all the lights off and it was dark outside and some people's monitors had been left on. So it like felt like a scramble out of the office, even though it was probably just like some sort of error. Yeah. I took a picture of the set for you guys. But this is for audio oh, wow, listeners. Well, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but we got, <laughs> we you got guys. to see the set. They've seen the set before. That's the old, true. The old Game Scoop set. Yeah. I hope, uh, I hope we get to get back there one of these days. Yeah. Uh, I, I took some time to switch up all the chairs and uh, make sure that my name was on the seat that I like to sit in and stuff like that. So when we get back, it'll be easy to roll back into it. Oh, okay, I took your good. chair, by the way, Damon. What? That's what the seat. sweater system is for. Yeah. <laughs> What's the sweater system? You put oh, your sweater about- on your <laughs> studio chairs. Oh, I see. I see. No, yeah. That's a really good point. <laughs> so in our office, we have these Herman Miller chairs in which they're like, you know, you can like, set them. You can set like 30 things on them. They're like so they're ergonomic like, chairs. But nobody ever does that. You just sit in them and you get used to whatever the hell you were sitting in. Right. Yes, so that's the, right, you that's do right. know it. You do know your chair. And so oh, we yeah. put these like, uh, yeah, we have our hoodies and stuff like that, like in the back of the chairs. Otherwise, they just disappear. You're like, this doesn't feel right. Something is off. Some weird roller somewhere in this chair. It's very Princess and P. I mean, obviously, us all working from home created some challenges, figuring out how we could do shows like this and keep them going from home. But now, Tina, there's this whole Games of Summer initiative that has to be uh, sorted out. So we're going to be putting on this, you know, big event throughout the summer. And now we got to figure out how to do that from home. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even just figuring out what previews look like, because we don't have events that we can do. do like hands-on demos. It's just, it's such a new thing for the entire industry to adapt to. Um, Easier for us. Like we bounced back pretty easily. Uh, We're operating at like, I would say 99% as far as the shows that we've been doing and everything on the site is, is not that complicated for us to do. It's just a matter of us coordinating with each other, but for developers, especially if you're in the earlier stage of your game, um, like assets, having to trans- uh, transfer assets back and forth. Like if you're an artist or a designer, mm-hmm. you have to constantly work on stuff and then send it over to your coworkers. So yeah. having to do that and then work from home setup, it's just, it's a huge drag for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Where's I mean, I, I think we, uh, we, you know, have a little bit of that, like our video team really, really kicked butt figuring out how to get us on screen and make our shows like next gen console watch and this like work really well. But like, it, it's a whole nother thing when we have to capture entire video games, cut them, give them to somebody else, see that again. Like I'm, I do, 
just on the very lightest level know what that's like to have to work through producing creative stuff and share assets and stuff and like our internet infrastructure is not set up for that i can't imagine what that's like to like build a 3d environment and then have to test that you know outside yeah. of office it just must be the biggest slowdown and, and yeah. things that people are really excited about too yeah well, exactly well, we definitely appreciate you know all the uh, listeners and viewers out there uh, bearing with us through all of this and still tuning into the show every week because we it's still uh, certainly a lot of fun for us to be able to get together like this and talk about video games for a while. Yep. I'm being reminded by uh, Borba, our producer, that I need to reshoot an intro leading into the first topic. So I'll just do, I'm going to do the intro again. We can just keep this rolling. This is all for the guys. Uh, look, I got a, <laughs> some, my friend Callie made me a custom Pac Man mask. That's, That's really cute. cool. That neat. Yeah, I've been trying to find a cool mask. To wear. Yeah. My, my brother bought me a bunch with cats on it. Like people just keep doing wow. this just because I own a cat doesn't mean I want cats <laughs> on my face mask. No, you're, well, you're, you're one of those cat ladies. No. Now, <laughs> Tina wrote an article about that as a pejorative. Uh, I did. Talking, and I read that long before I knew Tina and I, I, I thought that was really good. I'm um, my best Damon, content. Damon, maybe you need one of those cat masks. Actually, I, I, would, I would totally rock that cat mask. It's actually not so bad because it, it goes from here and you, you have like a little cat nose and a cat mouth. So it's actually oh. recreating you as a cat. So. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. I have that Animal Crossing. <laughs> uh, also, uh, producer Borba says Final Fantasy IX is the best. That's apparently Did you play ten though? Did he, did he play 10? Did he play 10 too? Did he play 13 3? Yeah, I don't know. All right, let's do this. I'm going to do an intro again and then uh, we'll let everybody go. What's up, everybody? <laughs> How did I do this? What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Game Scoop. I'm your host, you David Joining me this week is Justin Davis, or is he? Tina Amini. Say hi. Oh, hi. I'm pointing up at you. <laughs> and Sam Claiborne. Hey, everybody. And Welcome back. We've got a great show for you this week. We're going to talk about Final Fantasy VII Remake. We're going to talk wow. about an ambitious new port to the Nintendo Switch. But first. <laughs> All right. I think that will do it. Let 
Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Ever since I was born, I could hear the spirits of the other world. Where old stories take on a new life. If you break even one of these conditions, the consequence is death. And the world is teeming with possibilities. It's midnight, girls! They're here! Get ready to change! Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz! Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with as you've never heard them before. You are no more than a demon! Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales.